Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 100. We're going to talk about helping young players be more accurate throwers. And so we've got a couple of things we're going to talk about with that. Before we do that, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And make sure you take, take advantage of that EFP20 discount. It helps you get a savings, and it definitely helps us with everything fast pitch and coach prep. Let's also talk about Patreon.com. Go to Patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you're in a position to become a patron, Coach Don and I would really appreciate your support. There's three different levels. Uh, we just did our first ever patron giveaway where we gave an Anderson bat to one of our patrons, DJ Conroy, and we would love to add you to the list of patrons so we can do something nice for you in the future too. So please check out patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. So Don, young players learning to throw. Here's a couple things I want us to think about. Have you ever noticed that sometimes that young player seems to do pretty well when they're playing catch with mom and dad in the driveway, playing catch with mom and dad in the in the backyard, but they struggle to carry that over to game situations or practice situations when they're playing with their peers? No, I think that's definitely a, an issue that we need to uh, try and work harder in practice to make game time easy. Right. Well, and one of the things that I think is part of the problem, and this is one of those common sense things, but because it's common sense, sometimes I don't think it's common practice. It slips by us. Yeah. It's great for me as a dad or for a mom, somebody that's maybe got a little bit of experience, maybe played a little ball, uh, to go out in the yard and play catch, go out in the driveway and play catch um, with their kids. But the good news in that is that we can certainly help them, guide them, maybe give them some pointers. The flip side of that, though, is we're also really experienced, probably a little bit more talented, yep. um, certainly capable of doing some things while I'm playing catch with my child that might give them a false sense of security or might you know help them see themselves as maybe being a little bit more capable than they really are. And so one of the things that I think is challenging is when two kids play catch with each other and they're throwing to kids of comparable size and skills and everything else, they certainly spend a lot of time chasing after the ball because every throw and every catch doesn't get completed. But they learn to work with kids the same size, same skill level, and I think that they learn to do things together, kind of go through the, lear uh, the learning curve, the growing pains of becoming a better thrower and a, and a better receiver because they're at a comparable level. The payoff is greater when they do it well, but there's also, uh, I guess, more of a built-in uh, consequence when we're not good at it. If I'm out on the front you know, sidewalk playing catch with you, we're eight-year-old kids and every one of my throws sails over your head, after about the third or fourth time that you've got to run down the block to go get the ball, chances are either I'm going to become a better thrower or we're going to stop playing catch. Right. <laughs> no, that, that makes sense for sure, Tori. And again, the big target, I can miss big. 
and everything's okay. Right. Some people talk a little bit about aiming small, miss small. Right. So if we can have that, that tiny target or that tiny desired outcome, then when we miss, it's just going to be very minimal. Right. That's a huge part of the game for young players, right? Is, yeah. is throwing and catching. Yeah. And I don't want the parents to stop playing catch with their kids. That's not the point. We want, honestly, I wish you all would go out and play catch with your kids. More often, uh, yeah. More often and, and as often as you possibly can. Because, you know, we talk about all the time that throwing and catching is one of the greatest weaknesses in the history of this game. And it continues to get worse, not better. But so here's a challenge for you. Next time you're going to go out in the yard and play catch with your kid, after everybody's warmed up a little bit, let's throw a little challenge at them. Let's have you try to make yourself a little less skilled, a little bit less mobile, and make it a little bit more realistic maybe for your child throwing to somebody that is a little bit closer to their, their level of play. Instead of being the superhero dad or mom that catches everything, let's try sitting on a bucket sitting on a stool, and now requiring your child to make a throw that you can catch without having to get up off the bucket, without right. having to get up off the bar stool. I love that concept for sure, Tori. And again, the size of the target, it then becomes... Much smaller, much closer to the size of, of the players that they're going to be playing with. And just for fun, you can add in the... Can't leave the bucket. Right. You can't leave the bucket, and if you can't catch it, you don't chase it. Right. And, and we've talked about that in our throwing program, what we always call partner chase, because I think a lot of bad throwing happens because of carelessness or lack of focus. So when we're doing our throwing program, if you and I are partners, doesn't matter whether it's your fault because you caught, caught it badly or it's my fault because I threw it badly. If you have to chase after the ball, I chase it with you. If I have to chase after the ball, you chase it with me. Well, in this situation, we're going to make it you threw it, you chase it. Right. So if you make a throw that I can't catch while I'm sitting on that bucket, then you have to be the one to go and get it. And I think that, again, helps the focus a little bit more, but it also kind of makes it a little bit more realistic. You know, And also, I think it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off a of mom or dad to have to be the uh, major league level receiver of throws that can save their kids' bacon on every, on every errant throw. So maybe in the beginning, it's nice to be able to have that range of motion, but after they get a little bit more skilled or you feel like they're ready for that challenge, then the bucket is awesome. Right. Well, and I think that uh, the peer pressure that we had when we were kids, because we learned to do all this stuff with other kids, there's not a single thing in, in my athletic background where I had a coach teach me something the first time I ever did it. You know, when we went to baseball tryouts, we'd already been playing backyard baseball and alley baseball and you know, going down to the park. You know, one of the things that, that I miss for our current athletes, when we were kids, if there were three of us sitting around, didn't have anything to do on a summer day, we would grab our bats and gloves and a, and a couple of baseballs, and we would go down to the park and pray that there'd be some other kids there. And if there were, great. We, we might play three-on-three. Three, we might play six-on-six. Six, we might, you know, play burnout against the side of the building. But we would figure out something that felt like playing baseball. And we learned a lot because we had to improvise. But one of the things that I can tell you for sure is that the best lessons I ever learned were because of the peer pressure of my friends holding me to a higher standard. If my throwing was bad, I wanted to get better at it and get better at it fast because I didn't want to be the last kid picked. Right. You know, or be the odd person out. If we only, you know, if we got there and there were 13 kids, 
you know, there was a chance the 13th kid might not get to play. That was always a possibility. Or you'd have to be the permanent defensive player. You'd never get to hit. You'd be on defense for both teams. Permanent right fielder. You'd have to play right <laughs> field, you know, for both teams because, you know, it was six against six and you were the 13th kid. And so all of that made me want to work harder and to do better so that I'd get a chance to play and that they'd want me to be on the team and that I'd have a chance to have a little bit more fun, much more so than a coach teaching me how to throw. I learned how to throw because if I didn't throw it well enough, I didn't get to play in the game. I didn't have a coach when I was very little teaching me how to hit. I learned how to hit because if I didn't get hits, I didn't get to play in the game. I think we need to kind of simulate some of that stuff for our kids now, especially our younger players. If you're going to go out and and play in the yard, that's great. Do that every single day. But for certain parts of it, try to make it feel a little bit more realistic, a little bit more challenging, so that our kids are really learning a little bit more that will relate then to when they're playing with kids their own size and skill level. So if you've got a six or seven-year-old that's just learning how to throw, that's awesome. Go out there and teach them how to throw and try to teach them as much as you can about doing it well, but then give them a six-year-old size target to throw to sometime. Give them a six-year-old skill-level receiver so that if the ball's not within a couple inches of your glove, chances are you're not going to catch it. And I think that's going to help quite a bit. I know I always wanted to be uh, on the side that had the fence, Tori. So we we didn't have the you, you threw it, you chase it. So I always wanted to make sure I had the short run. So you didn't have very far to go? And and were, and were you the guy that when you threw it away, you kind of stood there and giggled and thought it was I, kind of funny that your, t- no, that your teammate was chasing after it, or did you feel guilty? I think as we paired up, it was more one of those, you know, who's more accurate? The more accurate person gets to be the side with the fence. Gotcha. Because you weren't going to make, yeah, you weren't yeah. going to make the other guy run, but you didn't want to be the the one having to run too much. You don't you want to be the weak link. <laughs> right. But but the whole idea of not being the weak link has some value, right? And yep. and knowing that there's a little bit of um, competitive juices flowing when you're doing some of this stuff. And again, for the parents that are doing it, and it doesn't have to be every throw, doesn't have to be every day, but if we want to help our kids be more accurate when they're throwing to kids of comparable size, every once in a while we've got to challenge them with that opportunity so that they get better at it and all of a sudden it starts to become more comfortable and less intimidating. Well, in the last episode of uh, Everything Fast Pitch, we had uh, Keep Fun and Fundamentals, right? Right. And uh, talked about trying to create games and and fun activities that can keep it fresh and keep it exciting. And um, this is another way, you know, that we can uh, try and spice things up if we put a piece of colored tape on a chain link fence and, you know, hit the blue, hit the red, hit the yellow, and give them small targets to try and shoot for. We can keep it fresh and keep it fun and see what they can do. Yeah, but so I think that there's a lot to be gained from getting out in the yard and, and doing as much of this stuff as we can, getting out in the you know with the kids and, and playing catch with them and working with them on their throwing. But let's just make sure that we're doing the things that are helping them get better instead of just showcasing your adult skills to to do all this stuff. To vacuum them all in. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong with if if you're a mom in the beginning. If, yeah. if you're a mom that that uh, played softball and has some skills, there's nothing wrong with you showing that off a little bit. But let's make sure that we're not being so busy showing off how amazing we are that the kids get to stay bad. <laughs> right? Yeah, we don't, we, don't, we don't want them to stay bad. After they're warmed up, like you said, hey, now the challenge is on. And then one other thought too, Don, especially even when we take that to the practice setting, because a lot of times, especially with younger teams, we don't always have a lot of extra kids. So there'll be times that you'll see a coach has to catch up behind home plate or, or may, might go to first base and receive throws, you know, might have to fill in and do some stuff. 
And again, it's okay to show off a little bit because we all have that in us. But if you're over there scooping every throw at first base, you know, like a major league first baseman, or if you're back there catching, uh, you know, balls getting thrown in from the infield to hit the next round of ground balls, you know, looking like a major league catcher, saving all these plays. Again, I think that's an opportunity that, uh, you know, we need to make sure that we're keeping it real for the kids that are making those throws and to try to keep it um, as realistic and, and game-like as we possibly can. And again, it's okay to show off a little bit, but we're not there to see you look like uh, you know, a major league first baseman. We're there to help the kids throw it to a eight-year-old first baseman and have a chance for the eight-year-old to catch it. So push them to the level that they would be seeing in a game. As much as you possibly yeah, can, yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of good stuff in there about ways that we can help our kids become better throwers and receivers because um, we definitely need to see that grow in our game. So hey, throwing and catching makes a huge difference. It's a whole lot more fun when those yeah. two things happen consistently. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, Anderson Bat Company and Patreon.com slash Everything Fast Pitch. As always, if you have questions, ideas, or suggestions, reach out to us at fastpitchprep at gmail.com or everythingfastpitch at gmail.com. Coach Don and I are always looking for ideas and topics, things that we can talk about. Um, if you're an Everything Fast Pitch listener, we're always looking for players of the week. So make sure you check out um, the fastpitchprep.com website, tons of information, and the easiest way for you to order your Square Cuts training disc. So for Coach Don McKinley, this is Coach Tori and our producer Stan Lewis saying thanks for listening to episode number 100.